We are told to be insecure about certain things. We are conditioned to feel ashamed or embarrassed about certain parts of ourselves. Remind yourself that this perfect world you see online, in magazines, in movies and TV are presented to you through many different filters. So do not set impossible goals of meeting those fake standards. It's unrealistic to think that your body or my body will ever look like anyone else's. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So embracing your natural beauty does not exclude anyone. There is no fine print. You can be naturally beautiful with acne or scars, cellulite or curves. So let's celebrate each other and ourselves as we are, as we will be and as we were meant to be. Unique, imperfect, beautiful, and so incredibly powerful. Hi everyone, I'm Jasmine, a sex-positive advocate, speaker, and sexual health educator. And that was a snippet from Lily Reinhardt's speech at the 2018 Glamour Women of the Year Summit on Body Image. And today, you are listening to Seek to Speak, a podcast that aims to empower expression, spark speeches, and instigate ideas. Seek to Speak. Hi everyone, my name is Aisa and you're listening to Season 2 of Seek to Speak's podcast and with me today is Jasmine King, a sex-positive advocate who runs an online platform called Oh Hey Miss King, where she educates, breaks taboos and sparks conversations on dating and sexual health. Jasmine also regularly gives talks and workshops on self-love and sex as well as hosts an Asian sex podcast called I Wish Someone Told Me, which I am a fan of. Jasmine also hosts a monthly and sexy Instagram live show called Cass and Jess Confess. I truly admire the work that she does and I'm so lucky to have her on the show. Welcome Jasmine, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, I'm feeling excited for this show. I'm so happy that you came here today. So we will start with our first segment, which is the guest guide. This is where we guide our listeners through your journey of self-expression in the context of sex education as well as self-love. So Jasmine, you have quite the loyal following online and people often engaging and asking you the most intimate of questions. But Jasmine, what was the motivation behind the platform Oh Hey Miss King as well as the I Wish Someone Told Me podcast? Hmm. So I don't tell this story a lot and I always tell a different story. But to be honest, the main motivation behind Oh Hey Miss King was because I attended a business uh, forum like a business event and I was there just to support my talent because I'm a talent manager that's my day job and it was just there to support her she was giving a talk and I just sit through everything just listen to everything and then somehow or rather something sparked in me I mm. realized that everybody have their own businesses everybody have their own things these are entrepreneurs business people and I just thought to myself like I really wanted to have something of my own I was 28 that time and i wanted i told myself i wanted to have something i can call my own by the time i reach 30 so at 28 i decided to do something with social media with with oh hey miss king cuz 
I wanted to do something that I am passionate in that I wouldn't just start and then not continue mm. because that I had an inst- I had a YouTube page that I did and it was fun and I had over 3000 followers but I That's got incredible. Bored. Yeah, it was amazing. I love it. I had the community, but I got bored with it. And so with this Instagram page, I wanted to start a project where I was passionate in it, where I see a need mm. and where I can combine my skills. So I I saw this video on YouTube and it was saying how, you know, whenever you look forward and you get stuck, always look backwards. Mm. So whenever you look forward, what can, what should I do next? Have a time to really step back and really look at your past. So what were you interested in? What were skills that you have? So that kind of So sex education was something I was interested in, public speaking, researching, educating people. Those are the things that my skills. So I kind of married them both and then thus created Oh Hey Miss King. And for I Wish Someone Told Me, my podcast, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was telling you just now, I, I listened to this year alone. It was 83 hours of podcasts wow. and it was a lot of sex sort of podcasts or sex positive podcasts and a lot of them are from the US or the UK and I wanted something that is Malaysian that is mm. Asian based that is within the region so that's why I started the podcast so it became like a natural extension of what you were doing anyways right yeah i just think that it's really interesting that you saw this need and you thought to fill this need yourself and that it was a need that was fueled by passion is sex education something that you've often felt passionate about i've always been passionate in the topic a lot of it came from when i was actually my earliest memory of sex education was probably when i was 14 or 15 mm. where i actually did a workshop i had to do a workshop as part of a program that i was part of and sex education was a main thing the reason being that i just find it really mind boggling how we are surrounded by just you know all our media consumption music just switch on the TV and it's all sex yeah, on the TV right. in the advertisement but when we actually go into the realm of like how do babies how are babies created how are babies made what is masturbation what is consent all of this suddenly becomes really taboo yeah you're right absolutely right it doesn't make sense so like why is that sex sells but when we actually go into talking about it the most natural thing it suddenly is a scary topic so that's why I became curious and I taught myself and then I'm just like okay well if nobody's going to teach me I am going to talk to other people about it and I'm going to talk to my friends about it you know That's amazing. It's like public service what you're doing literally <laughs> without me knowing. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes it is because even if you look at Malaysia it's quite a conservative country and as you talked about sex is still quite fairly taboo. So I suspect that it may have been a bit difficult to put yourself out there especially as a malaysian woman so despite that you never fail to be extremely candid and as well as very honest with your conversations you even had videos where you reviewed sex toys which was so awesome but what are some of the challenges that you may have faced in this process and how did you overcome them surprisingly so i thought that there would be a lot of pushback mm. but fortunately there aren't a lot of pushback so with sex education i sort of had to think about who are my audience right mm. who's my audience and i was not sure and then i kind of realized that i want to target adults mm. so because i was targeting adults adults ages probably 20 to 30s or something like that it, people became 
I don't know, they, they were not a lot of pushback. I think if I were to talk about the things that I talk about and I said I want to educate teenagers, I think a lot of parents would be like, oh, no, no, like that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. But because I was targeting adults and I was targeting urban sort of Malaysians, there weren't a lot of pushback. In fact, people were more curious. Yeah. The most pushback I can think of is someone asking me if I was Muslim. You know, and I'm just like, it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't matter, yeah. It shouldn't matter because it is still very important. Yeah, it's a universal topic. It's a universal topic. And I think I had someone who who asked me, but Jasmine, aren't you afraid that the kids, the teenagers would listen, uh, would would follow you and then you will educate them on how to have sex and then they're going to have sex. And then to that, I say, people, young people especially, are going to have sex with or without me there. Mm. Right. So if you were to say now, Jasmine, you're educating them. What if I'm not there and they have sex and they have babies? Yeah. And then that's when you will be like, oh, someone should have teach them about <laughs> sex education. You know, so it's like you can never win. Yeah. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah. So that's I believe in the power of knowledge. I believe in empowering people, especially young people to make informed choices because mm. I was that young person where I taught myself. And I was able to then make informed choices of my body on how I want to conduct myself and not get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at such a young age. Yeah, and I think the way that you approach your platform, I've seen it and it's really positive in the way that you decide, as well as very educational. And I think that's why I don't see... I don't see any hate comments. I mean, which is which is really great because then your audience is somebody that is actually very sincerely following you and wanting to know more about sex and they're not there to hate on you. I'm also very mindful as well with like with who I'm talking to. Mm. You know, I, I have to really methodically sort of approach a topic because mm. a lot of the times people would say like, oh, the topic that you're talking about, it's very Western. It's very Orang Barat. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Malaysian it's not Asian but then I'm like no well talking about genders these are the different cultures within Asia within Southeast Asia actually in Malaysia mm. or Indonesia that promotes that talks about different genders you know so it's not a western quote unquote western construct it is also an Asian construct talking about different yeah. genders I think that's the 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 value from your context is that it's very sensitive, culturally sensitive. I think even in your first podcast episode, the Asian sex podcast, you were very clear that this is the Asian perspective. And I think that's why a lot of people see a lot of value from your platform. But you're, you know, you're quite personal with your audience and your social media often sharing your own experiences and struggles. I also love that you post a lot of photos of yourself very proudly. However, not everyone feels as confident about their bodies as you are. How do you go about being confident with your body? And what are some of the best ways to empower self-love? For me personally, my journey to self-confidence comes from a long time of just pain. A long time of pain, a long time of... You know, embarrassment because society portrays... So I'm plus size, to those who do not know how I look like. I am plus size. I've always been a big girl ever since I was young. So society portrayed plus size women or fat women as being petty, as being shy, unworthy of love, unworthy of jobs. You know, all this like really negative thing. When you think of fat, fat people, you're thinking about that. So... So because of that, I had to work twice as hard to prove to people that I am not that. Mm. And, and so uh, through a lot of, you know, 
family gatherings are always really horrible because you know you always have these aunties and uncles would always say you know Jasmine you're so fat nobody wants you you know you should think about you have, you have so a very terrible. pretty face yeah they would always say you have a very pretty face if only you lose weight and then people will want you so you know all of these things it's really really bad towards towards my my self esteem right but here's one thing that i truly believe in is that people can say whatever they want to say but it's how you react that matters mm. and also what other people think of you is none of your business yeah, which yeah, basically yeah. means they can say whatever you want to say but but it's up to you to sort of change their perspective or you sort of take it in and go like well you know whatever i'm going to do something else otherwise so i think that's where i instead of fitting into the na- narrative of what a plus size person should be what a fat chick should be or whatever it is being that we are petty unworthy no confidence i decided to go out of that narrative and create this whole new persona and i do this through public speaking because i thought that the best way to sort of show people who you are as a person is by showing how you carry yourself and speech is so powerful in that so i started public speaking ever since i was younger joining competitions and also doing a lot of hosting event hosting you know and just really and every time when i come back home i would just talk to myself i would have mm. conversations with myself as as if i was in this beauty pageant and someone was asking me <laughs> a question and i would say it in different accents and say it enunciating words in different way and from there i just you know unknowingly i was building myself up and today i that really built a lot of confidence because you can see me and you will have thoughts but the moment i open my mouth i will command the room And that's yeah, that's really absolutely true. Of. I I totally agree with you. You definitely command the room the moment you stepped into my house as well. <laughs> And I love that you're normalizing this new narrative of like I am not the image or I'm not the 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 mold that you think I am simply because I am a certain size. And I also really love the fact that you talked about speech. I mean, everybody knows that this is a public speaking podcast. It's a good segue. Yeah? It's a good like in, inter, uh, combining. Yeah, and I like that you talked about how public speaking is not something that you may be immediately good immediately, you know? It's something that you need to cultivate. And people think that all right, if you're confident, then you can do public speaking. But it's so great that you brought the fact that public speaking can also build your confidence. Having practice being out there talking in front of people realizing that people value what you say as well as what you do and from there you gain your confidence so i really really love that advice and i'm really happy that that's the advice that you gave yeah it's so important because it it comes with a lot of practicing too with public speaking and yeah again like what you said you don't have to be confident to do public speaking sometimes public speaking is what makes you confident. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you get validation from from what you do. Yeah. So this is a great segue to our segment 2 on deep discussion where we do a deep dive on a particular issue. And today's issue is sex education in Malaysia. Here we'll be deconstructing and analyzing data on Malaysia's understanding of sex, the consequences of not having proper sex education as well as why this continues to happen. So, the first statistic. So, according to a 2015 survey backed by the Health Ministry, 35% of Malaysian female youth believe that having sex for the first time somehow does not lead to a pregnancy, and one in five Malaysians believe that sexually transmitted infections could be transmitted by mosquitoes. <laughs> Why do you think this myth and misconceptions continue to exist in Malaysia? 
lack of sex education, <laughs> simply put. And, you know, we have sex education, but in it's about reproduction. Mm. It's about the science of it. How do we protect a contraception? You know, all these things are very, very important. Don't get me wrong, but we need more. That's why sex education nowadays, it's not just sex education. They have a dunder term called comprehensive sexuality education or CSE, which is very important where you talk about what are your genitals, the proper names of your genitals, mm. talking about consent, talking about healthy and healthy relationship, really understanding the different types of sexually transmitted infection. Because a lot of people only know HIV AIDS, but there are so many things. And I remember a friend of mine recently found out that he had herpes mm. and he actually shared it with, with a partner of his and the partner actually said, am I going to die? Oh my gosh. So the lack of sex education is, is, is very out there. I remember also giving a talk to this particular school. It's a secondary school back in Sabah. And they told me like, oh, you know what? I I heard that if you had sex one time or she my friend had sex three four times without condoms and ne- didn't get pregnant is it because she's young and I said no it's because wow. she's lucky yeah you're absolutely <laughs> that is what it is <laughs> so about like our whole cycle I mean that's also something that I also didn't know but our whole cycle there will be a particular time in our cycle where we don't we don't have aches right or yeah, yeah. we don't have ovulation we don't ovulate eggs are not released and. I was also surprised that some of the followers that come up to me would actually mm. say that, oh, my boyfriend tracks my period and my boyfriend says within this particular time, I would not get pregnant because I am not ovulating. And that's so interesting to me because as as women, as girls, we don't even know our own body, but our partner kind of knows our yeah. own body. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's really cool if your partner knows your cycle. But at the same time, it also means that, wow, like... You, we also don't know our own body, and the re- only reason why your partner tracks is so that they could you not know, get pregnant. Not they get could you. have sex, unprotected sex, and yeah, not yeah, get yeah. pregnant. You know, it's just really it's connected strictly to not motivation. having babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the motivation. Yeah. But other than that, like nobody cares about anything else. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because ovulating is actually quite biological, and I would imagine that that should be covered in mm. our existing syllabus, but it's not. And it's also not covering the social aspects of sex because it was interesting to me when you, you know, you're a sex educator and you also talk about things like relationships and boundaries and consent because relationships form a huge portion of sex. A lot of us do it because we are in a relationship and we love that person. You know, that's, that's the thing. A lot of people think that sex education is about teaching people how to have sex, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's something as simple as teaching what are the proper names of your genitals yeah a lot of even adults don't know right like yeah. a lot of adults still call our female genital as vagina mm. and that is not true it's actually called a vulva and the vagina is part of the vulva oh my gosh i didn't even <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah until you know I, I i saw your your platform that's absolutely right and i will call myself quite a liberal and informed person and yet i still have a lot to learn as well. So we're looking at the second statistics here. So it shows that 14 in around 14 in every 1000 underage girls in Malaysia fall pregnant every year, which adds up to an average of 18,000 girls per year. 
Related to that, we can see that from 2010 to May 2019, there have been 1,010 recorded cases of baby dumping. And of those, unfortunately, 64% were found dead. A recent 2019 study by the Center for Governance and Political Studies found that there are approximately 3,000 rape cases annually. So we talked about the importance of sex education previously, but do you think if we have a better and more comprehensive sexuality education, these numbers would drop? Yes. And statistically, it is proven with countries like Netherlands or Mm. Germany that actually has sex education in their education, in their general education. They could see that, I think if I'm not mistaken, Netherlands, the amount of teenage pregnancy is probably three times lower than the US. Wow. With sex education. And I'm pretty sure it's the same thing because... And I can have myself as an example. When Mm. I was younger, I was curious about sex. I was curious about masturbation and babies and, you know, and all that stuff. And so I started learning my own thing. I started educating myself with sex and sex education in general. And that actually made me not want to have sex at such a young age. I see my friends, all of them, you know, most of them would have sex at such a young age. And there would be some of them were forced to do it because, Mm. you know they're in a relationship it's somehow expected that you have to do it and I'm constantly telling them you don't have to do it just because you're in a relationship and you don't have to feel forced so just me being aware of that just allowed me to not want to engage in any sexual relation until I was fully fully ready and you were talking about pregnancy especially teenage pregnancy in my kampong because I live in Sabah in this district called Penampang it's such a norm for us to have friends who have to leave school at such a young age. Oh, really? At like 15 or 16. Because it doesn't of pregnancy? Happen, yeah, because of pregnancy. It doesn't happen all the time. But if it happens, I'm not surprised. That sort of thing. Mm. And yeah, and then also boys, not just girls. Boys also have to leave school because they have this responsibility that you need to get married. It's about you've already quote-unquote pakai or impregnate which is a really horrible way pakai but that's the reality of it is that teenage pregnancies do happen so if we educate kids we educate young people just about how sex works it will definitely change the way they view then they then they have more agency towards their body then they can say no just because i'm in a relationship with you i don't have to have sex with you actually we can wait and that's okay or Mm. you don't feel pressured or there is such a thing called condom yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And the proper usage of condom, not ha- just having condom, is good. But you need to properly know how to use it, yeah, how to yeah, store condom, true. how like how condoms actually have an expiry date, and not a lot of people know yeah, that. Yeah, right? you're right. Like, you're I didn't right. know that either. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like condoms have an expiry date, and the way you use it, you actually have to pinch the tip of the condom mm. so that air doesn't go out. Because sometimes they would just like. Boop, put it in and then at the tip of the condom there is air and then it will like burst if you go rough and that's where you know and I remember I was talking to this one psychologist psychiatrist a therapist and she told me that she would always have teenagers to come into her office to go through therapy because they are teenage mothers and the first thing they would say is that I actually don't know how babies were created so I was quite surprised when I was actually told that I had a baby because I thought it would be okay yeah Wow, even like basic things like that, I even, <laughs> I'm not very, <laughs> I didn't even know, you know, these kind of things. You don't look out or you don't 
get yourself informed because you think this is like a taboo subject and also when it comes to consent like like you said when you are more informed it doesn't mean you're gonna go out there and be like no. a sex addict it also could be like you're more informed about sex the consequences and therefore you're more careful and wary about who you have sex with and you so, know how to protect yourself yes absolutely and also most importantly as well and this is a real life story in Sabah there was a case a few years ago this young girl Girl, I think she was probably 11 or 12 she didn't know that all this while she was raped by her grandpa oh by God. her grandfather until she went to school and they had sex education one day and then, then she realized that actually what happened was not normal and she actually told her teacher that oh my grandfather did this and this and so the grandfather was actually I think like jailed Yeah, and only through sex education was she able to then identify what is safe and unsafe touches. This is a thing that we teach kids. Safe, unsafe, and unwanted touches is also very important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because even the numbers that I gave you just now, in terms of rape cases, they're extremely underreported. It's one of the few crimes that not a lot of victims know about. Firstly, like you said, they're not very aware that that is a crime, especially when it's done by a loved one. Yeah. But also because there's so much shame surrounding that topic that you feel like maybe it's not worth the trouble, which actually moves nicely into the last fact. Because like you said, while there is no specific subject entitled sex education in Malaysian schools, the Ministry of Education introduced the Reproductive and Social Health Education, or PEERS for short, in 2011, which is covered randomly <laughs> in physical education, moral science, and Islamic studies. However, a 2011 study comparing PEERS against UNESCO's, oh, here it is, what you said, Comprehensive Sexuality Education Guideline Syllabus by UKM stated 90% of the respondents agree that sex education has not been taught in Malaysian schools and the informal imp information given by most of the teachers is very vague. So despite these alarming numbers, that we talked about baby dumping, rape cases, underage pregnancies. Why do you think it's so difficult to introduce a comprehensive sex education within the national curriculum? The, I think it's because of the misconception of what sex education is. Mm. Again, a lot of people think that sex education is teaching young people how to have sex, teaching kids how to have sex. So when you talk about let's have sex education as young as kindergarten everyone's like oh my god you're going to teach my children how to have sex but no yeah. sex education comprehensive sexuality education age appropriate one in kindergarten would be about learning about your body mm. why is what is on your body what are the proper names of your genitals what are the differences between a boy's body and a girl's body and and you know as you as you as they grow older then it would be about safe and unsafe unwanted touches what is a healthy unhealthy relationship consent you know and, and masturbation also is such a big thing like masturbation are your will your tangan berbulu <laughs> that's like one of the biggest thing like will my hand get hairy if i masturbate what um, is that a th is that a misconception a thing. yeah like it's like a, a tab i don't know i'm just like really like really oh is there something wrong with you would you not be a virgin anymore if you insert something inside mm. yourself so like all of this sort of misconception 
is really really important to address and i think the reason why i think as you were reading you were talking about informal information given by most of the teachers they're very vague also the teachers are not educated not trained hmm. they're not trained to be sexuality educators so if the government if our government the ministry actually give them proper training it will be so good because a lot of times teachers are very you know if we you don't get proper training and there's you have a lot of your own sort of taboo and stigma on the topic you're going to laugh whenever you say vagina or vulva yeah. or penis you're like uh, penis or like you're going to say it burung yeah you know or some a different name and that's not helpful for the kids so we need to actually give them proper names the actual names because in the court of law if a child touch wood got raped and then if they were to say they don't say the actual name they would say i don't know muffin ke or like my burung ke kena pegang uncle the uncle touch my burung mm. the court of law wouldn't recognize the word burung mm. so you have to be very particular and say the uncle or the auntie whoever touch my penis yeah or even in kindergarten if if the vulva is muffin then you're going to go to teacher and go like oh teacher that uncle lick my muffin The teachers come in to think, oh, muffin. That's actually the food. Oh, that's okay. You can what? Can share? Oh no, and that solidifies. Yeah, like, so that idea that it's okay for your uncle to lick the muffin. Yeah, because muffin is vulva, a vagina, right? A vulva yeah. for you. So, yeah, it's it definitely correlates. Comprehensive sexuality education is very important. It's difficult because a lot of people have misconception of what it is. So, to that, I would say change the language. change the term if you can't that's why they have comprehensive sexuality education instead of just sex education yeah because comprehensive s s c s e means something oh you know you're teaching sexuality not just about sex or or changing it i think this one school changed it to boy girl relationship mm. bgr oh that's, that's a like good another term. appropriate way to do it yeah, yeah. it's very heteronormative but it's, yeah. it's one way that we can sort of change the language or it could just be i don't know body education or something mm. something just to change to just make it age appropriate actually this is mind-blowing for me because i didn't realize the effect of language and what it does to our conversations and how it affects that individual if they were a victim of a sexual harassment or rape case because you would think you know as a teacher as i would make things analogous to something that you would understand like okay like a muffin or things like that but you don't realize that those things actually affect them negatively in the yes. future and it also makes it like you said it makes it sound like it's something that you can't talk about like you can't actually call it by its name you can't actually call it vulva you have to call it something else yeah just I, to make it pretty yeah i didn't see it that way just like so this is one organization that i volunteered with called spot mm. so they go we go to schools and we train girls on puberty education and the founder is very adamant not to call it kemaluan mm. we call it genitalia or genital instead of privates because when you say kemaluan or when you say private it's something shameful it's something we shouldn't talk about but actually these are just part of our body you don't call your hand john yeah. you know like <laughs> left hand john right hand nathan you know like yeah, yeah, john yeah, nathan true. you call it tangan and our hand right so it should be the same way with our genitals to be able to say genitalia instead of private or even the term std Yeah. sexually transmitted diseases they actually change the language and call it infection as, instead because mm. diseases sound like you're in a death sentence 
Yeah, Whereas and it's when sexually you, transmitted too. When you when you say infection, then you're like, okay, it's an infection. We can cure it. It's just, you know, the importance of language really changes the way we perceive something. That's yeah, cool. that's so yeah. powerful. I didn't really think about the kind of connotations that these words are. And I think because you... I think even with your platform, you're very sensitive of the words that you use. Now I know why, because yeah. it's so, so important. Now we're moving on to our third segment, which is also my favorite segment. It's called Radical Roleplay. This is where we provide the guests with imagined scenarios where they would have to use their communication skills to resolve. And today we have some very sexy, well, not really sexy, <laughs> scenarios for you, Jasmine. Alright, so scenario one is this. One of your followers, Eileen, has always struggled with self-esteem. She's been trying to be more positive about how she looks. Inspired by your message, she has been more open to taking photos of herself and loving the shape of her body. However, when she posted a photo of herself on Instagram, people started body shaming her in her comments and now she feels ashamed and silly. She wants to take ownership of her body and doesn't want to be embarrassed by her body type. You want to empower her. What do you say? Create a new page. (laughs) (laughs) create a new Instagram page where you can just be yourself because Mm. I always feel like I have a persona when Mm. I'm online even if I am in my personal page I have a persona that I have to display and I only display certain parts of myself I have posted this one picture before and it was just a really nice picture of me in a swimsuit and I posted it on my personal page a lot of people know that I am all about body positivity a lot about self-confidence but I apparently got a lot of comments from my my friends back home in KK and they don't talk to me personally they talk to my sister about it and they kind of shame me through my sister which is really horrible so then I just decided to like you know what I'm not going to post this I will then advise Eileen to open another page where you can truly be yourself and only have people who can support you we always need to be around people who give us positive reinforcement positive energy and if you need to create another page where that particular people will only be in this page then create that and still be able to post about whatever you want to post sexy pictures pictures or pictures or something that makes you feel confident and beautiful and then once you sort of have that reinforcement once you sort of have that sort of positive energy around you because I think with Eileen she probably just doesn't have the the support in the beginning the community Mm. first but also I totally understand with the whole idea of but you know I just want to be myself but like so many people body shame so so true so create your own sacred sacred space a safe space where you can just truly be yourself and yeah that's essentially what I did was I created a safe space for me and my personal page and then once I feel fully fully confident enough then I was able to then extend my sacred space to creating Oh Hey Miss King with my sex education space had I not had this sacred space where I can talk about sex I wouldn't be able to then create this other page where it talks mm. specifically on that. That's true. So look around you and make sure that you're in a positive circle. Yeah. That's really, really great advice. Okay, with scenario two, Malaysia's Parent Action Group for Education has approached you for advice on revamping sex education in Malaysia. They're concerned about the rising cases of baby dumping as well as statutory rape. While they know the value of including issues of contraception, consent, as well as harassment into the syllabus, they are also concerned about public backlash. They think teaching contraception and consent will encourage under underage sex among youth while you empathize you're also keen on seeing the current national syllabus on sex revamped what do you tell them i will tell them if it's really tough 
to to change within government policies or public policy than to actually in, incorporate organizations to do mm. it for you because that's essentially what our government is currently doing yeah. is that they actually have external organizations either locally or internationally to actually go into schools and create all this stuff and actually to say that you know this organization is backed by not just the government but also United Nations uh, UNICEF it's not only in it's not enough for you to introduce new syllables into the education system it's also very important for you to educate teachers mm. as well the educators themselves to really go through a proper training where they themselves because all of us from our childhood from our past we all have this sort of idea of you know sex being dirty sex being taboo so fortunately the government specifically the national population and family development board of 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 malaysia or lppkn they have this cafes that they call cafe teen or it's a youth center where they talk about they provide adolescent health services counselor services skill building you know all this stuff and one of the things they also highlight is about sex education and cafe teen the leaders there are actually youths themselves educating other youths and they also have a, an app where i remember i opened that app and the first thing i read was on masturbation wow. and i was just like whoa this is in malaysia this is a government thing and, and it's in malay too it's in malay yeah i think they are dual language but i think i saw malay as well so that's really cool Yeah, it is great. They make it very accessible. So, we've come to the end of the show and I always ask this of my guest, Jasmine, why do you seek to speak? I seek to speak because I believe in the power of knowledge. That only with knowledge would you feel empowered enough to make informed decisions on your sex life, on your life. If you know how life works and your body works and, you know, consent and boundaries how important they are you're then able to take control of where you want to go in life that's exactly it is that ecosystem of like knowledge knowing and owning your body and your decisions and it transcend everything it's not just sex self love body you're absolutely right thank you so so much for being on the show jasmine it's been such a pleasure thank you for having me seek to speak mm-hmm.